Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to the Revision LASIK and Cataract Surgery Radio Show. I'm Paige York, Director of Business Development at Revision, and today I'm joined with Dr. Thomas Litzinger, ophthalmologist at Revision. First, I want to thank the station here for allowing us to come in and inviting us to share some of the happenings at Revision. We've got a lot of exciting things going on, and um, Dr. Litzinger is one of our 2020 shining lights, and we're so grateful to have him with us. And today, I'm excited to have him share more about his background and also to talk more about his expertise with LASIK and refractive surgery. So, you know, one of the things that we do at revision LASIK and cataract surgery is LASIK. So it's it's been around for a long time. We've been doing LASIK in this country for over 30 years now. And so, you know, it's it's more common. It's more in the mainstream, but there's still a lot of questions out there. It, it is a life changing procedure. You know, early on, there were a lot of the early adopters that got on board. And now um, we're it seems like we're seeing a little bit more of a resurgence of LASIK and I wanted to have Dr. Litzinger share a little bit about, you know, what he's seeing in the patient that are coming in through Revision's door, um, especially people who are being told they're not a good candidate. So, sure. Dr. Litzinger, welcome. Yeah, well, tell, thanks. Tell yeah, thanks us, for the introduction. Tell us a little bit about, um, real quick, your background in, yes. in refractive surgery, yeah. and then talk to us about, you know, what you're seeing for patients that are coming through our door right now. All right. Well, I did my uh, medical training at Ohio State, uh, followed by an ophthalmology residency program in uh, California, California Pacific Medical Center in San Francisco. And then um, as an ophthalmologist, you can enter practice after that. But if you enjoy surgery and want to learn many more surgeries, including become an expert in LASIK, advanced cataract surgery, and corneal transplants, there's something called a corneal fellowship that you can do. So I completed my corneal fellowship at Duke University, and uh, but I'm from Columbus and moved back home about nine years ago. Uh, so that's my specific further training in, in LASIK. And um, so LASIK, it's been around for a while. You know, it's been, it's over 30 years. It's, it's been in existence. Uh, the early procedures had a really high success rate. Um, and, but the lasers, you know, since then have gotten faster, smoother, uh, lower side effect profile, lower energy profile. And so it just keeps getting better and better. Uh, it is a procedure I actually had on my own eyes in, in medical school. And it's life-changing uh, to have life, you know, experience life without glasses and contacts. Uh, it's pretty, pretty great when you're on the receiving end. Um, but to do that for people is the best job in the world. That's so cool. That's uh, so cool. I've had LASIK as well. I had mine done in 1999. I can't believe I'm even using the 90s. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of good things about the 90s, uh, but having my vision changed forever with LASIK is probably one of the highlights, and I'm grateful for that. Um, who who makes a good candidate for LASIK? Yeah, so a lot of patients, especially those with astigmatism, will say, oh, you know, I had an evaluation years ago. They said, I'm not a good candidate. And that's because the earlier lasers could not address astigmatism, which is just a more complex prescription. It result, it's the result of a steep cornea. Um, and however, for several years now, the newer lasers uh, can treat a high degree of astigmatism. There's not many people out there with four units or four diopters of astigmatism, and, and the lasers are approved to create uh, correct up to that level. Um, so that was one of the main uh, uh, barriers to 
to having LASIK for a lot of patients. Um, and so that's been addressed. And the other one is, is corneal thickness. So we are lasering away or reshaping a cornea to give people better sight. You have to have enough cornea there left over to have a structurally sound and strong uh, organ in your cornea. You don't want it to become unstable. Uh, and so there's a certain cutoff that where some people don't meet that. If you had your evaluation at a LASIK-only center and they only offer LASIK and or PRK, they may have told you no because that procedure wasn't right for you. They were probably right, but the difference between those centers and revision is at revision, Dr. Schumer and I have had that additional surgical training. So we have three or four different procedures beyond just LASIK that can get you out of glasses. And so when it's no to LASIK, it's almost always yes to one of the other alternatives. That's so cool. Let's let's break it down a little bit because I, you know, we take the assumption that people understand what LASIK is. Yeah. So let's talk about what does LASIK stand for? And then let's talk about this specific, you know, does it correct for astigmatism, mm-hmm. nearsightedness, farsightedness, and what those terms mean? Because mm-hmm. that's one of the most common things I hear from patients or just my own personal friends is, they, they don't understand what all these terms mean. Sure, so. sure. Yeah, it's, it gets a little bit complicated. Um, LASIK stands for Laser Assisted In Situ Keratomalusis. It's not a perfect acronym. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it is. But LASIK is uh, easier to say. And essentially what that means is using a laser to reshape the cornea. So, for example, if you're nearsighted, you can hold a book in front of you and read, but you can't see far. So you are what it says. So nearsighted, you have near vision, but you can't see to drive or see across the room. Farsightedness is the opposite. You can see far, uh, but it might be difficult to see up close. Um, and so for an example with a nearsighted patient, the, the most common reason for that is the cornea is a little too steep. So it focuses light in the cornea uh, for further review is that it's like a window into the eye and it has a certain curvature to it. And what it does is refract or bend light. So it focuses into one focal point on the retina. If it's a little too steep, it bends the light too much and that focal point lands in front of the retina instead of on the retina. So glasses or contacts or LASIK, they are all giving you a new lens, so to speak, so that hits your retina and you can see without glasses. So a cornea that's too steep, like a a nearsighted person would have, first step one is to create a flap just under the surface of the cornea, just like one fifth of the thickness. That flap is lifted up. It's kind of like it has a hinge to it, almost like a door. Uh, And it looks a lot like a contact lens. It's really, it's that thin. And then the second laser actually, uh, the eczema laser, reshapes the cornea. And in the case of a nearsighted individual, it's going to flatten it a little bit. And that amount is your prescription that's programmed into the laser. So although I'm in total control of the laser, it it's treating the exact amount and it's tracking your eye faster than any human can. Then once the reshaping's done, the flap goes down and seals itself basically instantaneously. And although vision's blurry for the first day, you can still, patients sit up and sometimes read the clock on the wall. They, they say, wow, you know, I can already see the benefit of it. And by the next day, about 75% of that has cleared. And so there are a lot of them, it's not uncommon for them to be 20, 20 or close mm-hmm. uh, day one. Yeah, it's, it's pretty life-changing. Again, I've had it done. I've watched thousands of cases get it done too. 
it's so fun to watch people sit up and see the clock or mm-hmm. come in the next day. There's nothing like that excitement. It is kid on Christmas morning feeling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we see tears of joy on uh, a semi-regular basis. I know. Is it? Would you say it's one of your favorite things to do? Absolutely. It's uh, you know I love LASIK and cataract surgery for their vision restorative properties and 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 just life changing properties. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when they um, when someone's thinking about having LASIK then? I know they'll call our office and come in. When you're talking to them, what are some things you're looking for as far as part of your evaluation? Yeah, and so um, one of them we sort of already hit on. The big one is corneal thickness. You know, if your cornea is too thin for LASIK, PRK is an alternative. If it's too thin for both, we can do an intraocular surgery called refractive lens exchange or ICL. Mm -hmm. Um, So corneal curvature is a big one. We have a, a corneal topography scanner called a Pentacam, and that basically just, it's an elevation map of the cornea. So we don't want to see irregularities or, or we want to quantify them so we can treat them. Uh, we look for astigmatism, amount of nearsightedness or farsightedness, and do some calculations. I usually do them right in front of the patient to, to let them know on the spot if they're a good candidate or not. And if they're not, what alternative procedure would be right for them? Nice. Nice. So um, I know early on before there was LASIK, there was something called PRK. And is that something you commonly do too? Yeah, absolutely. PRK is a great procedure, and uh, the it's using the same second laser that LASIK uses to reshape the cornea to take away the prescription, so the results are the exact same. Nice. The only difference is the, the first step is a, a no flap is created, so you're sparing more tissue. However, you do have to do an exfoliation of the surface cells, and you have to wait for them to grow back. So the visual recovery is a little longer than, than LASIK, but the end results are just the same. And so every week uh, I have my... LASIK patients, and then I have a few PRK patients. So maybe maybe a third or 25% of the cases are, are PRK. Right. And in the well, end, their vision's the same, right? It, like, it is. And, and I want to differentiate. That's different than RK. So we've started to call PRK surface ablation. Okay. So, so it's not confused with RK, which was a procedure that was before my time and before my surgical training where they would make incisions into the cornea to treat nearsightedness. And it was proven to be, it worked, but it's, it's fairly unstable. Mm-hmm. And so that's... It, Nobody's been doing that for quite a long time. And LASIK and PRK have had an excellent track record and safety record over the last 30-some years. Right. And that's actually one of the most common questions we're asked is, you know, is this permanent? If you're making that investment in your vision, you know, everyone wants to have that guarantee. And well, with medical Mm -hmm. and anything surgery, you can't make any, there's no 100% guarantees. But talk to us about, you know, with, with LASIK, um, how do you answer that question? How do you educate patients on, you know, when you have LASIK, what's your expectation as far as your vision afterwards? Yeah, like you said, as a surgery, as in life, there are no 100% guarantees, but we are really do enjoy such a great uh, safety profile and outcome uh, outcomes with LASIK and PRK to the tune of 90 some percent are achieving 2020 vision. And, and when you do, it typically is stable long-term. The next thing mm-hmm. to affect somebody's vision usually is cataracts you know, years later. And so, um, and before cataracts, you you know, if you're set for distance with LASIK or PRK and you're in your forties, you're going to notice it's difficult to read. Oh. So, so I'm, I'm a living, <laughs> living example of this. So I had LASIK 17 years ago. I was and still am 2015, which is better than 2020 in the distance. But if my children put a, you know, my, my oldest son, five and a half year old, puts a Lego set in my face, I have to pull it back a few feet uh, to see it in Absolutely. great detail because my 
lens of my the lens of my eye, which is not operated on a LASIK, it starts to harden. So the muscles that use used to change its shape by flexing and dialing in reading power can no longer change the shape of that lens. And so everybody's going to need reading glasses if they have a you know good distance vision or maybe with or without LASIK surgery, they have good distance vision. They're, they're not going to be able to focus up close. That's not LASIK wearing off like some people think. It's just the lens getting a little older. It's called presbyopia, which oh. means old lens. I know oh. I feel feel old for for as, saying that. As we're growing older, so I, I I'm walking that walk right now where uh, I grow older. I'm like everything feels less flexible. <laughs> right, no, everything does get a little less flexible, a little bit more rigid. So, so it's important to realize at some point reading glasses will be at my future as yeah, well. Yeah, that's an, an ex- expectation that I set with patients, and and if they really don't like that and they have some nearsightedness, sometimes. We we consider doing something called blended vision or monovision where one eye we leave some nearsightedness in reserve that mm-hmm. eye might not see quite as clear as the other eye in distance but together it's almost imperceptible in most patients so mm-hmm. there's there's workarounds um, or if it's completely unacceptable to them or LASIK's not an option, we have um, we have uh, ICLs and refractive lens exchanges where we can use it's basically refractive lens exchanges like uh, early cataract surgery and you can use a, a multifocal lens where they can see at all distances afterwards. Nice. Well, I, I know these are all things that we offer, and I know that they're extremely life-changing um, to our patients, and it's so fun to watch. It's just, it's really exciting. Um, so, you know, people who have had LASIK, you know, we ask that question of why, you know, why do they choose to have LASIK? Um, and it really the answers are are vast you know for some people it's convenience you know they they travel a lot they don't like the hassle of keeping up with glasses and contacts um they don't like wearing anything on their face um in this covid world and we're wearing masks all the time glasses fogging up has been a big contributor um there's so many different reasons Uh, you know i think another big one is people that are working out and you know you have a healthy active lifestyle and you're outdoors and having to wear contacts or glasses is not always uh feasible or easy for them so you know lasik is definitely a great option for both just the convenience uh, to everyday life and living um, what are some of the things that you've heard from patients as far as why they've decided to go with lasik yeah it's uh i mean Simply put, it's it's just really nice and convenient to wake up and see without glasses and contacts. And that translates in, in directly, naturally into doing the things that you love without glasses. You know, for me, I remember having it and walking out the door and putting on some non-prescription sunglasses and enjoying a run and then followed by a ski trip and goggles and, and or playing basketball without them. It's just, I just... People ask me how it is, and I and I said, "Well, it's life changing." Mm-hmm. And and when I said that, I was like, "Why wouldn't I want to do this for a living?" And so I, this is in medical school, so I, uh, that was part of the the reason I went into ophthalmology. Um, and and it's also it, it makes your life better, you know. And you always hear, especially older people, they say, "You know, I transitioned from buying things." Uh, and objects for happiness and, and I invest more in, in experiences I get older and mm-hmm. I see LASIK as an experience because you're experiencing life without glasses and contacts. Sure and I, I often hear too people and we had a patient in today having her LASIK surgery and out of her out of her mouth was I had wished I'd done this sooner. Oh, yeah. um, that That is probably one of the most common things that I hear is wish I had done it sooner. So let's talk real quick about the age range 
for a LASIK patient, what's the youngest patient? And then where do you maybe transition your dialogue to another option as well? If, yeah. if they're on the older side of things, I know it often depends on the health of their eye, but sure. what are the parameters? Yeah. So LASIK is FDA approved for anyone that's a good candidate, 18 years uh, and older. And 18 years is, you know, that's pretty, from a lot of people or some people, I shouldn't say a lot, there's, they are kind of still growing. You know, you run across that occasional uh, friend of yours that was still five foot two and, and senior year of high school. And then, and then is six foot two now. Yeah, exactly. I, one of my best friends is that way. And so I, I, I asked, you know, I kind of assess whether or not they're fully grown if they're on the younger end of the spectrum, because I, I don't want to do a procedure where they're going to grow and then the prescription is going to change. So if, but if they're an 18 year old that looks fairly mature and fully grown and their prescription's unstable for, you know, I would go beyond my usual criteria, like a few years. I'd like to see that. I've, I've done a handful of, of people in that age range. I prefer that people be around 21 or older, just it's, it's a little bit more of a safer bet. Um, and then the, uh, the then it's really up no upper limit. So mm-hmm. that's what people, a lot of people don't realize it. So um, it makes more sense once you're of cataract age to have cataracts. Um, or these days, if you have even just early cataracts, instead of investing in LASIK and then investing in cataract surgery again, uh, anywhere from one year to 10 years later, uh, you might just want to kind of skip the step and, and go straight to the advanced cataract option with a lens that can help you see at all distances. So I have that conversation with people, but um, if their lens is clear and it doesn't really look like they're developing a cataract anytime soon, LASIK makes a lot of sense and they could get several years out of it. Um, and it doesn't go bad until cataract set in. The LASIK still isn't bad. You just do cataract surgery and it, can, and it mm-hmm. restores their vision to the way it was after LASIK. And then uh, the population that people aren't really aware of is, uh, is that the older, but you know, somebody with a healthy eye has already had cataract surgery and they still have prescription left over and it bothers them. And I've had a few of these patients where they, they say, yeah, can I have LASIK? And I say, yes, actually, if your eye's healthy enough. And, um, and that's a way to enhance a cataract surgery result. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, do you ever come across patients where it's safer for them to undergo LASIK? Cause you know, LASIK is mm-hmm. an elective procedure where choosing to do it. It's not covered by insurance or anything like that, but is there patients maybe if they overwear contact lenses or they get infections, like when, when is it actually in their best interest to consider that as an option? (laughs) Uh, It's not always the patient's fault, but there's some patients where you're kind of saving them from themselves. Uh, (laughs) If if you're, if you're a habitual contact lens abuser, uh, doesn't mean you're a bad person, but you are putting yourself (laughs) at major risk. Uh, And as a corneal specialist, I'll tell you that I've seen and treated multiple probably you know hundreds of blinding corneal ulcers directly from contact lenses and these are that's a bad situation and you can lose your eye if you don't lose your eye you're left with a scar that you can't see out of and i have to perform a full thickness corneal transplant which takes a year to recover from and you and you're dependent on uh, glasses or contacts afterwards to see so that i mean no, that's an extreme example but i've seen so many of those cases it's not an unrealistic risk uh, really for anybody. I've even had patients that slept in them once and, and end up with an ulcer. Wow. Uh, so in general, I encourage if patients are happy with their contacts to, to work with their optometrist and, and ask them if they haven't already been offered them daily disposable contact lenses because it's a fresh pair every day. Right. And, um, and and that's a nice, safe option. But if, if they're not intolerant of those or just looking to get out of glasses and contacts, um, LASIK sometimes is actually uh, a little bit of a safer option. Mm-hmm. So I know you've done thousands. I don't know your exact number mm-hmm. of cases, but you've done thousands. And 
the the procedure really only takes about 15 minutes for LASIK yeah. to happen. Mm-hmm. Talk us through real quick um, what happens for a patient when they come in? Are they awake? Um, yeah. what, what's mm-hmm. that process like on the patient side? So one of the first things I tell the patient in the evaluation is don't worry. We give you a relaxing medicine called Valium, 10 milligrams. That's actually the first thing they want to hear. You can see them physically relax when I say that because they've probably thought about having LASIK for years and finally worked up the nerve to uh, come in for the evaluation because eyes are sensitive and vision is our most precious sense. So I I lead with, hey, you know, we're going to make sure you're comfortable. Valium will help and uh, it'll help you get through it. Uh, Even without the Valium, though, it's a quick and painless procedure. The most you'll feel is some gentle pressure on the eye, some fluid and some dimming of vision. It's just a little unsettling for patients. So that's where the volume comes in to kind of take the, the edge off. Um, but uh, in and of itself, it's, it's not painful. It, we'd be in the room for maybe 15 to 20 minutes, but most of that is setup time, getting the laser docked, double checking the numbers in the computer, uh, making sure the patient's comfortable, me doing a few uh, preparatory uh, maneuvers to get the eye ready, and then actual active laser time is only a couple minutes of all of that. So it's very fast. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I remember myself having it done a lot of white knuckles and, (laughs) you know, when Dr. Schumer walked me through it, uh, you know, he, he calls it verbal anesthesia, which I know you do as well. You're talking the Mm -hmm. patient through the whole time. So, you know, I think patients walk out of there going, wow, this was so much easier than I thought it was going to be. So they leave our center and then we tell them to do what? We tell them to go home and rest. Yeah. So they, they leave the center and like we mentioned earlier, you can sometimes see the clock on the wall, but it's sort of like underwater vision. It's hazy and blurry, um, but but you can kind of see the benefit right away. Uh, they leave with goggles uh, that protect their eyes and that they sleep in for a week, uh, but they can take the goggles off, you know, during the daytime the next day. We encourage sunglasses because UV light can actually produce some car- scarring in the cornea. Uh, so the sunglasses protect from that. The ones we give, are, there's nothing special about them. People always ask that. Uh, you can wear your own sunglasses pretty as long as they have UV protection in them, which almost all of them do these days. Um, but yeah, I say go home, rest, because the eyes can burn for a few hours afterwards, and, and you might sleep through that, especially with the volume on board. And then you'll get up, and you might might have slept through the burning phase and, and, and are good to go by the next day. Uh, they come in and oftentimes are reading 2020 or close to it on the chart. Um, they can go back to mild to moderate physical activity right away. Um, uh, I would advise against pools, hot tubs, or you know infection risks like that. But they can shower the next day and even do some mild exercise. Yeah, it's it is it's amazing. You sit up and you're just like, oh my gosh, they're working without <laughs> any help other right. than your your own. So it's it's a very life changing experience. So you know you mentioned something earlier that I I want to kind of circle back to in investing in yourself and you know given our world scenario right now we have a lot of people who aren't traveling and they're redirecting their money to investing into themselves which in turn has translated into their vision Um, but there's other ways that LASIK can you can make investments for that you know I know health savings accounts flexible spending accounts, these healthcare savings plans, they're great options for patients to make it affordable because, it, you know, we we continue to invest in our technology so that we're offering our patients the, the latest uh, state-of-the-art technology in how the laser can change their vision and its precision. But, 
you know, that's one of the things we are asked about all the time is, you know, why isn't it covered by insurance? And, you know, I guess there's good things about that, too, that it's not covered by medical insurance because patients then get to have a choice to where they get to go. They get to choose who their surgeon is. It's not dictated by their insurance company. Um, Do you ever see where you think medical insurances would ever cover LASIK or are you glad Um, that it's not? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I love the procedure so much, you know, you kind of want it for everybody in a perfect world. It would, it would be covered and everybody could have it. Right. Um, but uh, from a practicality standpoint, I see it from the insurance company side. It's an expensive technology. Um, there is expensive lasers uh, and, and it's, they're not going to foot that bill. Mm-hmm. And, and if they did, they wouldn't reimburse to the, to the rate that we would be able to even be viable to, to own these lasers. So, right. Um, we don't get into the finances too much with the patients. Uh, I do know from personal experience and from my patients' uh, uh, testimonials that, you know, if you do the math, it ends up paying for itself over time. I think when I had LASIK, it was like a four to five year range of, of buying contacts and glasses. And, right. and, and, then, and then you, that's an investment that you use every waking moment. Your vision is good good to go and it is for the long the long haul and you know what other investment can you make that you use every single day and it doesn't go bad that is so true and that's that's the thing so many companies are offering the flex spending accounts where you can put pre-tax dollars or do tax deductible dollars and use it for medical and LASIK is a prime thing that people set aside that money for and it's a great investment we also have I know in our center, we have some outside financing Mm -hmm. options too to make it very affordable. And and it truly is an investment in in your life to have that clear vision and help people see, um, help each other see better. Yeah. So it really is a a great investment to make in yourself. And we're seeing that more and more in 2021. Yes, we are seeing an uptick in LASIK. And I think beyond the obvious of a mask and glasses, you know, causing fog. Uh, you know, that's that's a, a reason for people having LASIK that patients are citing. But I think it goes beyond that. It, the, the world slowed down with the pandemic and people are looking at areas of their lives that they want to improve. You know, maybe they want to make a career switch. Maybe they want to home gym and get and commit to be uh, more fit and in better shape. Maybe they want to finally be glasses free and contacts free. And at least in a, in a time where we're worried about a lot how about you cross that off the list, right. you know? And so, and I think that's not just foggy glasses, but that's the reason, another reason we're seeing an uptick in LASIK. People are investing in themselves and, and, and practicing self-care. And it's, that's one of the major silver linings, I think, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. No, we see it too. And with our new center, um, it, it's an inviting place for our patients to come and see and visit. And I think when they enter our building, they, they, they know we are serious about what we do mm-hmm. and how we're going to do it. So um, it definitely is wonderful to have that as an option um, to offer our patients. And I, I know LASIK is one of your favorite things to do. So mm-hmm. um, we have just a few minutes left. And, you know, I invite our listeners to visit our socials to learn more about us. Check out Revision Eyes. Um, visit our website, which is revisioneyes.com. It's a great way for you to learn more about who we are, our philosophy of care. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Litzinger straight from our website. You can request an appointment. Um, it it definitely is something too for you to just get educated. Um, that's always been a platform of who we are and what we do is education. So schedule a complimentary consultation. Come into our practice, meet us, have an opportunity to um, meet with our doctors and 
talk to our team about is LASIK right for you? Um, I can tell you we've we've always been upfront with patients. If they're not a candidate, we're going to tell you mm-hmm. you're not a candidate. Absolutely. And that's uh, I think one of the the great things about us too. And we even get referrals from other centers as well. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we're, I believe Revision and Dr. Litzinger and Dr. Schumer were trusted names in the community. We welcome you to come in for an evaluation and see if LASIK is right for you. Let's go ahead and uh, finish up with just asking a couple quick questions real quick on sure. uh, about you, Dr. Yeah, Litzinger. Just a little fun here. So I know you play music on a LASIK day. What's what's playing in your OR? Do you have a specific yeah. uh, band? The genre, the genre is mostly alternative rock, and that's sort of the mellow uh, period of the day because I don't want it to be too intense or too distracting. And, and as I've mentioned before, when I operate, it's almost meditative. So I do like a mellow alternative rock, which is in contrast to if I'm working out, you know, I go for rap and nice. go for something more upbeat, <laughs> a little bit more hardcore. Good. Good. And uh, what's what's the favorite thing you've heard from a patient after their LASIK? What's the compliment that sticks oh, with well, you? Oh, my favorite was I didn't realize how beautiful my ex-wife was. I took her back. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Well, it, I thank you so much for your time today. Uh, again, Columbus Radio Station, we appreciate you guys for allowing us to come in and share more about our center and talk more about LASIK with your listeners. Thank you.